if I can make both make money and make people feel good, um, that to me is a fulfilling life. And I, I have I used to feel very bad about going to work when I was working at a corporation. I haven't felt bad about going to work in over 12 months. Hey everyone, welcome to Nonlinear, a podcast about the decisions that shape our careers. I'm Dave Fano, the founder and CEO of Teal and the host of this show. If you're enjoying the conversation on this episode, please make sure to subscribe, share, and rate us wherever you're listening to the show. It really helps shine a light on these amazing careers and increases the chances of us learning from each other. Again, thank you so much, and let's jump into this amazing career story. All right, well, thanks for joining today. We're with Nick Mancini. Uh, who I've had the pleasure of getting to know for a while, talked a lot about careers, we've done some classes together, and has just had a really interesting career of sort of dipping a toe in entrepreneurship, then selling a company, and then uh, deep in the crypto and Web3 space. So I'm super excited for him to tell his career story. But um, but first, let's kick it, off, kick it off with you telling us a little bit about yourself, Nick. Yeah, thanks so much for teeing it up, Dave. My name is Nick Mancini, and uh, currently what I do is I build brands and communities specifically. So uh, the Web3 economy opened up an interesting kind of marketing uh, opportunity. And what I specialize in is the management, leadership, and growth of communities as a whole, specifically in the Web3 space, but there, we're, we're seeing plenty of opportunity moving forward. So a little bit about me is uh, previously was in finance, moved into entrepreneurship, moved back into the corporate world via uh, cloud uh, sales with Oracle, but was always focused on the startup side every bit of that. So even on the even on the finance side, focused on startups, innovation and all that fun stuff. And I've carried that through my whole career. So everything I like to do is a little bit forward focused. Um, I love the Web3 economy. I love people. Um, and uh, I also love Teal. So I'm uh, very glad that we were able to have this conversation. So awesome. Thanks for that. Um, thanks for your continual support. Yeah. The shout outs on, on Twitter and all the cool things you've done for us. All right. So right, careers, it's kind of tricky to identify where, where they start, right? I have a deep belief that we don't change careers. We build careers. Um, and every little thing we do is just kind of like building on this awesome thing. Um, but when would you say was the first time in your life that you started to think about a career and that the decisions you were, were making even if they were the wrong ones, but you're like, Hey, this is going to affect like my work. Yeah. So I think probably like the biggest one, probably the, the point that pivoted everything to me is actually in college. And when I switched my major, um, that's probably not entirely relevant, but it did lead me down the path of being interested in tech as a whole. So I'll never forget that day and that professor, that conversation. So that was meaningful. But I would say in my actual career, after I'd started with a full-time job, that moment would probably be the day where in when, when I was in finance, we were afforded an opportunity to, to kind of go around and meet people kind of car blanche, you know, no, no expectations, just be nice and people will speak to you for 10, 15 minutes. And so I took that, I heard about the innovation labs and I was like, I need to meet whoever runs this place. And I had, I think I talked to him for 10 minutes and I, I told him end of the meeting, I want to do what you do. Um, I was like, whatever we need to do, whenever we need to figure it out, like I will do it. Please just let me know. And he took that very much to heart and gave me the opportunity. So I'd say, you know, it could have been the day that I toured it, could have been the real conversation we had, but I'll never forget, you know, the entire exposure to the opportunity, the chance to have the conversation, and then just putting it all out there and saying, this is what I want to do. Without that moment, I, I actually thought about it before this conversation. I don't know if I'd be here today. Like, you know, if I was not afforded the opportunity to work with hundreds of startups or, you know, kind of, you know, put myself out there, um, not everybody gets the chance when they ask for it. So to me, that was like such a big deal because it was a culmination of interests 
and th sticking your neck out when you're nervous, uh, and then having to perform when you get the chance to to also perform. So it was it's a it was a big moment for me, and I, I still never forget. It. I've been meaning to actually reach out to that guy uh, who gave me the opportunity ever so long ago. It's been in my notes to like write him a letter, but it's such a weird thing to do. It's very personal. So I need to do it. But um, thank you. So you kind of reminded me of that as well. Oh, that's awesome. And, and so talk us through that a little bit, because I think a lot of people, you know, one of our goals with this podcast is to give people sort of a little bit of a lens into the thought process. One, to show them that other people are going through these kinds of things and making these mm -hmm. tough decisions are not unique. Uh, not in the sense that theirs isn't unique to them, but in that like a lot of people struggle with these things or maybe struggle is not the right word, but like are confronted. Um, and so you were doing something, you didn't love it. Sort of you were presented with this opportunity. Or you were made aware of something else you could do, which I think is oftentimes what holds people's career back is just pure lack of awareness that you can even do certain jobs. Uh, and I think more so than ever, given all the cool things that are popping up every day. But kind of what was that? Like you were doing a thing, like you had a degree in it. You were like well on that path and you're like, wait a second, this isn't it. Like what kind of like what helped you have the courage to like jump and make a change? Yeah. So I've always been a bit of the person who raises their hand, maybe not every time that they should, you know, and it's, it's hurt me as much as it's helped me. But again, you know, I think the steps I've taken forward beat the ones taken back. But in that, in that context in general, uh, I think the biggest, my, like the first piece of advice, and I gave this to everybody who I met when I was a senior in college and had a, had a job is join clubs, join organizations within the umbrella that you're already in. Um, oftentimes, if you're in a larger corporation or a company that's, you know, maybe over at least over 100 employees, they'll have some sort of subset where it's, you know, potentially veterans or it could be women, could be LGBT, could be, you know, the, the you know, a flag football club, like sign up for things that are happening in your organization and you will be better for it because it creates a networking opportunity. And that's really where you always learn about that's where awareness is created, right? For the most part. So that's like the first thing is just get involved. Even if you hate your job or you're in the doldrums or whatever, the more people you meet, I guarantee you, it'll probably open up a door uh, more so than it will close. It. So that's probably the biggest thing to me um, that, 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 kind of helped push me in that direction is just, I, I practice what I preached. Um, but then in, in the, in the subset of actually making the decision, having the conversation, putting my neck or neck out there, um, I was always kind of entrepreneurial to begin with. So, you know, for me sitting at the desk all day was not an end all be all and not anything I wanted to do long-term. So I was kind of day one, like I'm going to do my work, but if I have downtime, I'm going to start researching and I'm going to start looking at what I can do to apply my interests within the organization. Cause it's generally easier to get hired in a new role. If you are in a large corporation, you kind of have to do your one or two years. Um, and then you can move. So, you know, if you are, if you're in a bigger place, this opportunity is more prevalent than if you're in a smaller place. Um, but it doesn't mean that it, it kind of cuts you out anyway. So research and just understanding when you have the downtime, look for the opportunities that you want to see. And I know it's not the easiest answer because it just requires more work when you're already supposed to be working. Um, but I think about it as an investment because like time is a tool, time is a resource, just like money is. Um, and if you're putting an hour worth of research towards the career you want, then eventually, you know, hopefully what you're studying and the skills you accrue will be worth more by the time you reach that goal. So then you're making more money and you're rewarded for the time spent to begin with. So the way I just think about things is like getting involved. And like I try to do that with everybody and everything is just how can we kind of take friendship and community and camaraderie to the next level and then be explore, you know, figure out what your interests are. And we had this conversation when I joined Teal, I'll never forget it. Uh, I asked you like, how do you figure out like 
what you want to do. Like, how do you figure out what you're good at when you don't really know? And I remember I, I wanted to get into project product management specifically. And we had the conversation. You gave me a bunch of tips and it was it was research based. You have to trial and error. You have to look up what you want to do. You have to ask the questions. You have to practice it. Um, and then you have to put your neck out there. So when you're younger, I will say any if you any people listening are in college, you're in your early 20s. It's a lot easier to do what I'm saying than it is probably later stage because you are more established. Maybe your connections run deeper. So it's, it's tough to just kind of pick up and move somewhere else. But I'm watching people do it all the time in crypto and tech. And it's simply it starts with generally a question and a question of how can I help? How can I benefit you? How can I learn? It's really tough to turn down those questions. I don't care if you're Scrooge, you know, if you're the Grinch, you know, if you if someone asks, like, how can I help you? And you say, like, you know, screw you, like, that's your own fault. So um, I always look for those people and I always encourage those to do so. It won't work nine times out of 10, but it will work more often than not, you know, if you if you continue to practice, you know, that that kind of uh, pattern. So awesome. I think there's a lot a lot there. Uh, yeah. All right. So you get this this job. Um, that you kind of like, you became aware of, you were super stoked, you landed it, you convinced someone to hire you. Um, what, what was it like being in a job that, you know, you kind of just became aware of, and I, I would assume that means you were teaching yourself on the fly how to do. Yeah. And it's, so again, I would just want to caveat that my experience was, you know, young age. So you do get a bit of the benefit of the doubt when you're, when you're a young, young person in the uh, industry, but, uh, you're hundred percent right. I mean, I literally went and bought books. Uh, I bought like uh, some of these books, um, the messy middle is one of them. Radical candor is another one venture deals, financial intelligence. I, I just started reading and I started researching. So the, whatever I could do, like, I remember going to my boss's office and like, I, you know, when you're a younger person in the industry, you get put with work and sometimes it takes you 12 hours, sometimes it takes you four. Any day it would take me three or four, I'd go and say, what else can I do? Can I sit in on this meeting? Can I take notes for you? You know, I just found stuff to do because when you're working at a bank or, or hell, when you're working at a large corporation and you're just an employee, sometimes you have to find things to do to keep busy and to forward your career. So I was just kind of always that person. I wanted to read, I wanted to learn. And I communicated to my superiors that, I am here to accrue knowledge just as much as I am to deliver value to the company. And so I just kind of put it to them very honestly that, you know, I, I had a desire to learn as much as I did to work. And as long as my work was done, then they allowed, you know, the forwardance of, you know, my, my interests. And so I think, you know, that doesn't happen all the time, but I think, you know, that comes down to an honest conversation and obviously putting yourself out there as well. So, and so this job was innovation specialist at Deutsche Bank's Innovation Labs? Yes, yes, precisely. And I was right. working with startups and venture capital was awesome. What I think is worth highlighting there is that like, if you're clear on what you wanna do, let's not say no matter where you work, but if you look hard enough and long enough, there's probably something not too far out of your reach, like right where you are, uh, which I think is super cool. And that can apply to both interests or skills or whatever. So like what I was doing was working with venture capital and I wanted to learn about startups and how money worked and funding because I was already entrepreneurial and I was, that was where my interest lies. So I, you know, I held, it had all the buzzwords I wanted. So maybe, you know, if you're looking to move, maybe it's within your department to a new specification. Maybe you're working closer with product. Maybe you're working closer with clients, you know, find out whatever your interests are so you can gather a few of those skills that'll allow you to make the next leap potentially with another company or a leg up in your own company. So, you know, because if you're just doing back office the whole time and you have a desire to work with clients or work with front facing uh, front office type stuff, then, you know, what can you do 
in back office that liaises with front office more so than not so that you can gather the experience, make the connections and et cetera, et cetera. So to me, you know, although this isn't a one-to-one, what stuck out to me initially was just who they were working with and what they were doing. I was just like, these are the things that I want to work with to put on my resume. And that's kind of how I, how I move forward. So now you got exposure to startups, you're getting exposure to like the startup ecosystem, how the dollars move around. Um, so what came next? Like when, when was that next thing? Like, all right, cool. I'm going to do the next thing. Crypto came next. <laughs> uh, I, as I was working for Deutsche Bank, you know, when you're working in innovation, you have to, you, you almost feel a primordial need to understand what's happening on the innovation landscape. Like you just, you kind of wake up and feel out of the loop because everyone else is so in the loop, uh, or at least it seems that way. So I was into crypto. I was, you know, what is this new thing? I think what, what, and also what got me into crypto is, you know, very gambler-esque. Like I made like a 5X on a token when I was in college. And I was like, you know what? This is always going to be in the back of my mind. Like I'm all, like, wonder what's going on here. So when the, everybody in the office is like, you know, where's the deal flow? What's happening here? And I'm like, I'm the, I was the de facto crypto guy in the office. So uh, this was 2017. So, you know, Barely anybody was talking about it at length and it was very much kind of scam territory. So I did get a lot of eyebrows, but it afforded me um, the chance to prove myself. And when someone tells you no or tells you that you're an idiot, nothing kind of fuels your fire more so to prove them wrong, especially when you're about 22 years old. So <laughs> uh, so I literally ran with it. Um, and through that, I found communities uh, and I found camaraderie and I found a, a sense of belonging that I had never felt before because crypto was such an economy of people like me wanting to learn. Um, and then, oh my gosh, you can just make money in your free time instead of just investing time in your free time. So it was a, a kind of a fascination of all of that coming under one roof. And then eventually, like it was, it was the, I think just over a year of my time with Deutsche Bank, and a couple of people that I was already in a community with were like, hey, we have this product together. Like, you're really good at growing community and communicating with people. Like, would you want to help out with operations and leading the charge on this? So they're like, we need to get investments, but we have, you know, X amount of money. We have a product that's at alpha stage. Um, we have tech that can take us to XYZ over 12 months. So at my young age, I, I thought it sounded like the best idea ever. Um, and I left the bank, took my, I, I had a, fortunately I had a large bonus for being a, an, an all-star employee, um, that afforded me a bit of an extra year's worth of runway. Um, and I, and I jumped off the cliff and now this is kind of, you know, where I am full-time startup grind. But back then it was very nerve wracking. It was, you know, do I want to give up the cushy job? Do I want to go half and half? Um, I will say, looking back, I might have gone half and half a little bit longer. I might have taken the extension with Deutsche Bank, but also the type of employee I was, I, it was tough to give them the commitment for the full year contract, knowing that I, my, my love was somewhere else and, and for a career. So I took the high road, at least what I thought morally and was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I should do full time. And I'm not going to ruin anybody else's life. Uh, and that's, and I kind of jumped off the cliff and that was, uh, that's how I made the decision. So let's talk about that for a second, because I think that that's something a lot of people wrestle with. I almost call it, I call it like career monogamy, which I, I don't think is a thing, right? I, I don't think you can like cheat on an employer. Um, now, I do think you can not sort of deliver the value that's expected, right? And I think that's a problem because right? you have agreed to deliver a certain amount of value. And I think the more we can move the conversation to value and not time or mind share, 
like the more we will get freed up to do these things. Cause I think right now the, the sort of tacit understanding is like, I get a hundred percent of your mind share cause you're a salaried employee. And the truth is like, look, you've hired me to do a certain task and deliver certain outputs. If I do that, whether I do it in an hour or 10 is kind of irrelevant. And if I can understand my value, my, my contributions in this sort of perspective of value. So like knowing what you know now and like the value you were delivering, you know, how would you rethink like, Hey, I can continue to deliver the same value, even though they're not getting, I'll go as far as to call it like loyalty, because I think that's kind of what we think it is. But at the end of the day, it's not, um, you, you know, it's a contractual relationship. You're on salary to do work. You deliver value. What would you have? Cause you said you might've done it differently. Like, how would you think about it now? So, yeah, so might have, when I say maybe it's generally a yes, you know, I just kind of say that for filler words. So it's, it's funny you even bring this up because the way I live my life is exactly the opposite of what I just told you. Um, <laughs> I quite literally work for three companies full time right now, and I'm in the process of umbrelling that up into an agency. So I, I, I used to give one, I used to feel bad about not giving one company my full undivided attention. And now I do it very well, giving uh, three and a half companies my undivided attention right now at a time. So it is possible, but it does take you know serious work to be able to juggle that and serious you know organizational skills as well because you will go crazy. But I think you know saying I would have done it differently is you know a I would have definitely taken. Here's just a really good life model. Anytime you are earning money, do not turn that down. Uh, for the possibility of earning money in the future. If you are making money and you can do things that like doesn't ruin your life or make you unhappy um, and you can earn the money and do the extra stuff, um, earn the money as long as you possibly can. Because like you just said, I think, you know, if you're delivering the value, there is no moral issue. Um, and as long as you are happy and mentally stable um, and, 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 you know, I'll go as far to say improving yourself, um, then there is no real issue, I think, in the long run, because you're maintaining sanity and health at the same time. So if you're accruing value and becoming better for it, then, you know, there's your equation for happiness in life anyway. Um, you know, maybe it doesn't involve work, maybe it just involves earning money, but you get what I'm saying. So I would, I would have definitely have stayed at the bank knowing that I could, knowing that, you know, knowing how contracts work and stuff like that too, that I would not have been heavily penalized for leaving. Um, and that I would have been able to earn money as well as learn while I was also building a company, making connections and doing all that. And I recommend everybody kind of stretch that time as much as possible. That overlap is going to matter so much because especially if you work in a cool company, those people will probably be your biggest fans the day you leave. Like they'll be the customers that'll tell their moms and their kids and be your day ones and be your OGs or however you want to categorize them. So there's a strong likelihood that you can build a, a sense of community before you even shove your product off because people are seeing you, you know, both perform in their arena and then also impress them by building something that is, you know, valuable outside of their arena as well. So you're getting the best of both worlds there. So it's it's a very tricky situation, and I will say there are some companies and and founders that it does demand literally a three sixty five you know type of type of gig. There there are companies like that. Some people will have to make those decisions, but I recommend that everybody overlap as much as possible because you know you don't want to give up on a dollar today when there might not be a dollar tomorrow. Um, and that's I think if you're a founder, that's probably one of the biggest things that goes through your head too. So and also value because right? I think a, a paycheck is not really an investment. It's, it's like cash. It's how do you put it to work? And if you think about your, your forms of currency, 
time is one, mind share is another, dollars are another. Uh, and it feels to me like you operate like an investor in general. And so you, you operate on a different time horizon. Like some of these things that you could do, you're like, this is going to pay off in the long term. I don't exactly know when, like when I buy a stock, I don't know if it's going to go up or down, but like my spidey senses and my research says it's a good thing. Um, and I'm going to kind of go all in. And, but you're, I, I feel like you're, you're playing with at, at a different time span than like immediately, what does this job do for me right now? And that you were even doing that in early career decisions. That's a very good inference you make because I am a very immediate uh, individual. Like I, every job that I've had, like I kind of stare, I've, I've stared at them blankly, like day one, like where's the work? <laughs> like I, I've done, I studied for a week before day one, like let's get cracking. So I'm very immediate and, and very intentional with everything I do. Like I, I, I would rather work till midnight knowing that the work is great um, than parsing it up every single day of the week to just to, to fill time. Like I just... I enjoy the work because I know that good work affects people in a positive way. Um, and when, and for me, life is about just affecting others positively. Like it's just, if I was to go, if I was to ask myself why the hell I do what I do, it's because the work that I do affects so many people. And because I get, I get positive responses of how it makes them feel. And that drives me to continue to pump out more work. So I have a different driving factor, but it also like the sense of immediacy, knowing that when I finish one task, the next one is there. Um, and there's a never ending flow. The quick, the more I get done, the more, the better I feel. And it's kind of like, it just, it stacks up like that. You, and you are right. I do think about things very much like an investor and I have theses for life. Like I just like the community organizational thing. Like I just, I just know that the more people, the wider your network is like the better life eventually becomes. And, you know, I can port this over to plenty of other investment things and, and why I put my money where I do. But in terms of time, my time is well spent when I earn value and my value is both money and feelings. Um, and if I can make both make money and make people feel good, um, that to me is a fulfilling life. And I, I have, I used to feel very bad about going to work when I was working at a corporation. I haven't felt bad about going to work in over 12 months. So, you know, it's it feels, you know, I, I encourage everybody to be in tune with both their feelings as well as their wallets. Cause you know, when you kind of reach the, the double duble, it's, it's very enjoyable. Yeah. I love this idea of a career thesis, right? Because mm. even things like mission, vision, they're somewhat absolute and you're either like on or off, but like a thesis is more about like an intentionality. Like I've got this theory, I've mm. got this like idea of what my, and, and a thesis can be revisited, you know, and it's like a thing that you can use to bounce Not ideas really. off of. Um, so I love that. All right, we're going to get back to that. So, all right, you go to this startup. Um, looks like you're there for about a year and a half. Yep. Founded and, it or co-founded it. Oh, okay. There you go. So you co-founded it. Uh, technically, I guess your title was COO based on LinkedIn. Uh, and so, you know, you don't, don't give us the play by play there, but I would imagine lots of sort of instrumental career decisions and learnings that like led to the next thing. Yep. Went through at the time, best, the best, era of my life and the worst era, uh, you know, all, all in that 18 months. I think many founders can attest to that. So yeah, so I won't give the play by play, but I learned at a very young age how to raise money. I learned how to deal with lawyers. I know I learned how to build a budget. I learned how to pitch people when your life is on the line, not when your, you know, your sales quota is on the line. I learned how to communicate information intelligently, which is probably the biggest 
uh, skill that I like am in, enjoy that I have, like being able to condense crazy technical jargon into something that is one sentence that your grandma can understand is extremely difficult and takes, you know, lots of iteration. So being able to communicate, you know, effectively is the best way to umbrella that, but it, it, it goes into so many different small things from building decks to pitching, to meetings, to Twitter, um, you know, to, to, to Twitter, to conferences, to, you know, all sorts of things like that. So communicating effectively is probably the biggest life lesson, but then also like convincing someone to give you money is the craziest conversation you'll ever have. And everybody tells you to do it differently. Um, and every investor is different. So that's, that was a very interesting one, but also at a, at a young age, you've not worked with many teams. You don't understand how teams work, uh, in a corporate world, in a startup world, everything is different. Everywhere you go, every team is different and understanding how to build and manage and lead a team at a young age that is where most people are older than you is also a very was a very learn uh, a big learning experience for me and then also just the journey of building something where your literal life is on the line is the craziest thing i i have not had a child so i have no way to compare it but i mean every day you wake up thinking about this thing and every day you line up you know the 12 20 things that you have to do for this thing and you have to hope that it grows and it's healthy and that, you know, you don't have to stress about it in X amount of time. You hope, you know, everybody has a runway and everybody has an exit idea. So it's a, it's a fascinating learning experience about life, about people, about yourself, um, and about general financial management. Uh, and it's, it's something that gives you the most 360 degree perspective, I think on everything in life as it applies, as it applies to the professional world. I will say I might have wasted personal experiences and potential friendships that, might have, you know, benefited me later in life because of either arguments, lack of time, um, you know, ineffective communication because you're so busy, because you're so stressed. There are downsides to it. And I talk, you know, the highs were just as enjoyable as the lows were unenjoyable. And I would never give them up again because I, I, I like in that 18 months, I feel like I got the world's best master's degree. You know, I, I feel like I got a PhD in being a professional because you just have to learn so quick and it's dog eat dog. And it's a, it's it's fun and and it's crazy, but you learn so quick and it's it's a process unlike any other. Oh, there's so much stuff there. I'm like thinking of all these ideas of like <laughs> careers are a series of highs and lows, mm. but like startups are definitely like higher frequency. Yes, and because I don't know what the part. the math you might know better because you do. But like what the the math term is for like the top and bottom of the curve, peak and trough. Yeah. So the peaks and troughs are much, much higher and lower <laughs> and, yes, and like the earlier the company. <laughs> you, you mentioned personal investment and time. I mean, that's what it is. Like when you go to a company and, you know, maybe you have a big project and your boss is relying on you. But at the end of the day, you're like, if this doesn't fail or if this does fail or we don't do this 100 percent correct, like. I'm not like my life isn't over, you know, um, but sometimes going into an investment meeting or pitching, you know, you know, a big client or something like that, it can really weigh on you like that because you're putting in all the hours because you've likely put in a good chunk of your own money. And it's a completely different perspective on the situation as well. You know, when when you have a business parent, you know, that's kind of taking care of you and you're, you're, in, you're in your crib. It's nice. And then, but when you're hey, out in the cold, you know, fighting for yourself, it's completely different um, feeling. And I think it's the same classic tale as, you know, when you buy something yourself versus when it's bought for you, you know, you appreciate and you look at things completely differently. Um, and it's, it's very true with the founding a startup or being at a startup early age. Maybe you're not the founder, but you're employee five, you know, you, you still feel it. So, so it didn't, 
you're, you know, you're not working there anymore. Um, and I know that like, I also think that, uh, well, we, I want to hear about like how that ended, but regardless, that's intense. Right. And that's like a big transition moment. And you probably had to do some like career reflection. So, you know, give us the, the amount of detail you'd like on kind of like what that transition was like into, you know, cause then you went on to do cool things, uh, like project management and you did mass challenge, which is an incredible, uh, organization. So like what, what was, what was that transition like? Yeah. So it was, it was tumultuous is the best way to describe it. Um, and unfortunately it ended because my relationship with the founders had deteriorated, um, due to stress. And I think a, a lack of alignment on ways to work together. I think that that certainly happens in a lot of organizations is after a full year of grind, you kind of realize, Hey, this isn't, you know, these are not the guys that I want to be in the trenches with for another two, three years. So we came to an agreement for my leave. Um, and, and, and it did, I would still advise and be a part of the company, although I would now no longer be the COO, um, and, you know, co public co-founder of the company. So, um, I retained my equity at the time, the investors took in, or the, the founders took in some more investment, um, and kept chugging along. And I kind of just, you know, more or less walked away, um, from something that I had helped build, but which was another difficult decision. And sometimes, you know, not everybody makes money leaving a startup. Sometimes you get out, sometimes you barely get out, you know, with what you put in. Sometimes you get out even, sometimes you get a little bit. Um, I was more or less even. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it was, it was a learning experience and it was also, you know, leaving a company is just as, you know, experiential as joining one. You have to learn how to properly thank people and keep relationships and understand how to leave things on a good note, even though things may have been difficult in the past. So that was another learning experience is like, you just have to, you think everything's going to be great. And then it ends up not being, you know, the, the perfect, you know, land of fairy tale that you thought it was going to be. So that's also called growing up and, and, and moving on too. So I, we had a mutual agreement and throughout the time I was still working with them and searching for other jobs. And finally the Oracle opportunity came up and I joined Oracle full time because it allowed me to continue working with founders, with startups. It allowed me to stay in the industry, to, to assist the previous company. Um, and it aligned with my interest, which was the biggest thing. It was startups. It was leadership. It was travel. It was a complete porting of my skills from pitching one company, living and breathing that all the time to now living and breathing our portfolio company. So I was like, this seems fun and a great transition and which led me to work with Mass Challenge, uh, led me to work with Dig South, led me to work with some fantastic founders and solve some cool issues internally within Oracle um, as well, because uh, I think anyone who's worked at Oracle knows that there's, uh, there's a few things I like to break every now and then. So I'll leave it at that. That's a really cool experience to go from like big multinational company to a startup founder and then back to big multinational uh, technology company, you know, one of the sort of like innovative leaders in the world, right? They've been around for a little while, but they, you know, we're all using something that is built on their tech. We just sure. don't know. Um, and so that's really cool. But you've been able to, the cool thing is you've been able to mash those up, right? Because I feel like you had this career thesis, whether you knew it then explicitly as well as you do now or not, but even within the context of these big organizations, you were able to find pockets where you could do the work that was enriching to you. 
So Teal helped me with the job. I like I was thinking of like what was I doing, and I just remember how much I was on Slack at the time, and that's that's why Teal popped up because of where the community was. So I was using Teal, uh, and I was you know working full time, but it was a very difficult search because I knew that I didn't want to just get a job. Like clearly, like my run my runway was like running out. You know, I was a young founder. I was not insanely wealthy, and I wasn't exiting with a fat bag of money. So I, I knew I had to pick the job that was going to pay me well, but I also knew that I would wait a few months to get the interviews and go through the process that I that I felt I deserved. So I will say that this entire process was much lengthier than maybe most um, because I was able to afford the time. But I went through, oh my gosh, I don't know, 20 interviews, 30 interviews, you know, of, of you know, sales, operations, W2 consultancies, stuff like all sorts of stuff. And nothing kind of really clicked until I had the phone call with Oracle. Um, and I will say, you know, this is, I also got a lesson and don't listen to everything that the hiring manager says. Always do your due diligence with the team or with the company. Uh, always reach out to some people on LinkedIn and figure out kind of what's going on. And if, uh, you know, sanity check, so to speak, if possible. So I kind of wish I did that a little bit more because obviously I, I did not stay with Oracle very long, but Oracle did afford me a very interesting opportunity um, to continue to work with startups, to gather a, a very interesting set of resources and tools um, because what I was doing was where I was liaising very much on the ground level with um, Deutsche Bank and I was very much at the top level with um, CSQ Holdings, I was now kind of in between. I was like very much a connector of many different resources running around Oracle. So I got to be exposed to everything a founder could ever want. And I learned a bunch even after my 18 months. So that was interesting. I then got to work with a bunch of founders who were all learning on their own and some older and much wiser than me. Um, I got to work with Mass Challenge who allowed me to work with advisors and mentors who were teaching startups and for were able to pass their advice on to me. And so it was a fantastic experience uh, just to expose myself to the market in a completely different fashion from a completely different perspective. And that was what also struck out to me in the job because I had, I'd had tools in my toolkit, but I was missing one. I was missing the mesh role. And the mesh role is a very important role in many organizations, one that many, many need often. So I, I thought that was an interesting skill to pick up uh, throughout that time before I um, am now doing what I am doing now. So you took a pause on crypto. Mm. Uh, which was this thing that you found that like really lit you up in a good way. Um, and it's kind of come full circle. So you're back, you are, you're in the crypto space. You're a thought leader in the crypto space. Um, so how, how did, you know, yeah, it sounds like you found like this awesome job at an awesome company. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. And, and, and also just like kind of like your journey to creating content and having a large following and being on news shows to talk about the crypto markets. Like, but it was all like self-initiated. I feel like you took deliberate action that made a lot of those things happen. Yes. Uh, I, I, I received the advice early on in life that you really do have to, you know, ask for things you, you, you ask and you shall receive. Um, I, I take that advice to heart. So that's just, you know, just in general, you, you really don't get what you, what you don't ask for. So I think just you, people need to be more intentional in that fashion, but in terms of the whole career cycle, I fell out of love with crypto because of a bad situation with founders. And when you're when you're living and breathing in an environment that is associated with a bad feeling, it's just basic human psychology. You start to kind of lose taste for it. Um, so I took my break and I was very much exposed to every market. Um, and so what happened when I was about to leave Oracle or be, slightly before I was going to leave Oracle, 
COVID happened. And so I, I was not a dummy in the markets, although I was not playing around with them, you know, as much at the time, I realized that that was a once in a decade lifetime event to potentially make the most money that you can in, in, in a one, one year period within a decade. If you go back every 10 years, there's a black swan event and we have the chance to make life-changing money. So as soon as I saw the stock prices, I was like, oh my God, I wonder what Bitcoin's doing. And Bitcoin dropped to like 3K. And I was like, this is it. This is it. So I called all, I remember, I'll never forget because I was so, so community focused. Like every I, everything came back pretty much that day that the stock market was like down uh, where it tripped the circuit breaker like the first time. And I called my buddies and I said, we need to get a community together now. Like we need to all mind share and get investments together. I mean, we were building, we built a 200 page word doc of like categorized investments and stuff like that within like a week's time, like me and all these buddies. So I was like, why am I, it's like, why am I just selling cloud for startups? I was like, this is what I love to do. So I had caught wind that a colleague who I'd spoke on a panel with when I was a previous founder had started a new company. Um, and we had gone back and forth a bunch about the company. And I said, if you need help, let me know. One day they came into town where I, I was in Philly at the time. Um, and we had a very nice lunch meeting, got the gist, um, pretty much got an offer on the spot because like we just, when you, when you jive and you understand what's going on, sometimes there's a click and you notice it and you have to jump at it. So they needed community. I was the community guy. I, all my ideas synced up with what they wanted to do. And I, I started doing that. So I was then, I was again overlapping and I was like, okay, another startup, I'm not quitting tomorrow. You know, I'm gonna fulfill my duties, I'm gonna take my money. Um, and so I was getting paid, we were growing membership and it was going well. And I said, you know what, Oracle, I am seeing, you know, this was a few months into the pandemic as well. So I was like, you know, this is likely to, go crazy. And, you know, obviously we're, we are living crazy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, a year, 18 months ago, uh, we, I saw the writing on the wall and that, that was why I made um, the leap to do what I did. So. So I want to touch on something you said, uh, which I think is something that a lot of people struggle with in their career is let's call it like disdain by association, right? You fell out of love, at least with crypto but it really wasn't that it was the situation. And I feel a lot of people like you hear like lawyers be like, ah, oh, I hate being a lawyer. It's like, do you, or did you just kind of like hate where you worked? And, and I, I think it, it's really awesome that you were able to kind of like decouple those things because I think a lot of people like architecture, you know, it's a profession that I know a lot about. I was educated. And I think a lot of people get really mad at like the career of architecture but it's really that they just hate like the constructs of practice and the economics of it. They still actually very much love architecture and they're not in a situation where it can, it's giving them the career they're looking for. Um, so I just wanted to call that out and kind of like, how, and, and how you, how you were able to like reconnect with, with that domain. And, you know, it seems like it was like very situational and the kind of stars aligned, but you still seized the moment. Yeah. And so I think probably the best way to, start for this conversation is at a young age is like I've always been an emotional moody person and so I like I had to learn like very quickly because people would be like why are you act like especially with Italian parents it's like why are you acting like that so uh, you know <laughs> so you know I had to very much learn to be in touch with myself 
at a young age and it just started with the question of why do I feel that way? And like, I, I we all have, an we all know what anger or happiness or sadness feels like. And I would just I continually run through various life scenarios that may have led to me feeling this way. Um, and as soon as I was able to pinpoint what it was, like the feeling washed away like magic. It was just like the simple fact that I knew, I understood, changed my perspective on this entire situation. So I learned, I don't know if everyone has a skill, I, this may be a me thing, but ask yourself that question and, and try to find, you know, this, the source to that feeling. If you know, maybe you feel better. I don't know. Um, but it works for me. And so in that scenario, like after I got, like after I, my, my spidey senses kicked in and was like, look at the charts, like, what is it telling you? Um, all of like the two year, two, three years worth of study, research, memories, time, like just came back. And like, I just, was calling buddies like we were just all like in this groove and that that group that I started now is like up to 150 of just like close guys from my uh, my high school college area but I like it just it just flooded back and I was like you know what like some sometimes there's a sign and they're like I, I got called to the crypto markets and I was intentional so with the with the like the public appearances public speaking thought leadership thing I was again intentional with my new bosses my new working colleagues at trade the chain I said you know I want to be a thought leader. Like, I know I have the knowledge. I know I'm able to communicate well, like give me the opportunity to do that. Um, and actually the research analyst with the community, I had signed on only to do community when two, and we, we got rid of two guys just for lack of effort, which happens a lot in, in the early startup world. So we went from a team of six to team of four and I just picked up two people's work and I was loving it. Cause like I was fulfilled every day. Like I love doing more than the average human. It makes me feel good. And so that, you know, I was intentional with what I was able to do. The opportunity presented itself. And again, I ran with the opportunity and am now kind of here talking to you. I don't think that's exactly why, but being able to communicate, being able, being intentional, you know, understanding what you want and, and figuring out a path of how to get it, I think is a, it's an important skill that, you know, it's tough to practice, but when you do accomplish it, it's like, holy moly, like I, I, I hit four goals and now I'm here, you know? So it's, it's very, it, you can analyze it very well too. With some, some successes, you don't really feel them, but when you, when you make the goal and you hit the goal, you know, it, it feels extra better. Well, what, what I've heard throughout this conversation is, um, a deliberate practice of career iteration, a career thesis, and an investment in the truest sense, not a short term, but like an investment in a long term that there's a return um, in yourself. And sometimes investments take a long time to pay off. But I think given, you know, at least I observe you from the outside, you're one of the few people who I've have, have tweets notifications turned on for. Uh, so I see all your tweets and like you just seem happy and you enjoy your work and you're putting good things out and people are engaging. And you, I don't know, I feel like you're in that virtuous career cycle. Yeah, and I, I could honestly be more happy and more nice um, and more kind. I think that's something that I'm working on is not like when you when and I'm finding this as a negative after working so hard for so long, when you when you work continuous 12 to 14 hour days, you start to gain a perspective that people who don't are, you know, don't deserve the same time and attention. You know, it's maybe this is the wrong, wrong way to say it. When you, when you just overexert yourself too much, you start to put yourself on a higher pedestal and that's bad for just emotions and working with people. And you have to very much check yourself because it's just a natural human thing. When you do more than others, that it's just quantifiable. You kind of start to gain a sense of 
higher than thee. And that's the wrong way to do it. And it's taken me as a young man, you know, some, a few conversations and, you know, apologies for, you know, overexerting myself and, and being a little bit maybe too, you know, too on top of, you know, work rather than life is maybe a good way to say it. too much work, not enough life. And that's the, probably the hardest thing to define. So I, I, I want to let everybody know that like the, what you just said, like introspection and, you know, looking back and, you know, being able to analyze these things is extremely important for everything that I just discussed, because if you're just going, 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 and you have no reflection, then, you know, how, how are you understanding that you're even moving in the right path? You know, how are you, how are you understanding that the goals that you are even setting for yourself are beneficial? Because we've all probably set a goal for ourselves that didn't help us, you know, or, or maybe was the wrong goal at the time. So, you know, I think, you know, being intentional is, the biggest thing, reflection is the second biggest thing because you have to understand where you're coming from to understand where you need to go. That's that's probably the, the biggest thing about my career is the switch on and off of I need to move forward. And then as soon as you know you start to realize you're doing too much, is now I need to look back. And I think if you if humans can do that on a on a regular cadence, I, I think we'd probably just see a general change in humanity. It's tough. It's tough to do that stuff. So well, I think you got a lot of awesome career ahead of you and you're figuring out a lot of the the cool things that takes a lot of people a long time to figure out. So I'm super excited to where to see where you go and all the cool things you're going to do and continue to get crypto advice from you. Um, but Nick, thank you so much. How can folks follow along with all your amazing insights and, and tap into the cool things you're putting out there? Yeah, thanks so much, Dave. Uh, the conversation was awesome, um, and I appreciate your time as well as the audience's time for listening in this long. The best way to get in contact with me is definitely Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at Nick, N-I-C-K, Cini, C-I-N-I, so Nick Cini uh, is my Twitter handle. Um, and then I'm in a bunch of communities which are in my Twitter handle. So if you want to, if I'm not easy to get on Twitter, I'm probably easy with a ping in either one of the communities that I help run and manage. Um, so if you're interested in play to earn NFTs trading, I cover it all and, uh, please, you know, come at me with an intelligent question. Please don't come at me with, uh, you know, without some thought, I, I would appreciate, uh, intelligent questions, but I'm always happy to help, um, and assist and point you in the right direction. Um, there's so many resources out there. And if I can be a person that, you know, points you in, in the right direction, then that will make me happy. So thank you. That's good advice. Just Google it first. Uh, yeah, if you Please. can Google it, you know, because uh, then you're missing out. Awesome, Nick. Well, thanks so much. We'll make sure to link in the show notes to all the cool uh, communities and ways to find Nick. But thanks for, for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, Dave. And that's it for this episode of Nonlinear. If you enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe, share, and rate